Hello, hello. Welcome to the White Rabbit Space, a playground for conscious creators. Let's define conscious real quick and the kind of creators lined up on this show. By conscious, I mean aware. People who have a heightened sense of awareness and inspire that in others. That can only really come from the practice of stillness, heart-centered intuition that clears up that fog in your mind that ultimately leads to aligned action for the self and for the greater good. And so I'm so excited to bring on board creators who are artists, entrepreneurs, and investors in this space. Artists who put their heart out to the world so we have beauty amidst all this chaos. Entrepreneurs who are contributing to birthing the concept of regenerative, self-sustainable communities. They contribute to the circular and sharing economy to become really the new norm. And finally, investors who are not just in it for short-term returns, they're in it for the long haul. People who contribute their time to support such initiatives for good. People who are not all about the ego, but really about understanding the meaning of working towards the collective betterment. The old model of startups are being redefined. So everyone has a chance to thrive. Now, given the pandemic, many conversations in the circles I reside in reflect a polarity of opinions around the wealth gap, who was hit the hardest, should billionaires exist, does capitalism need to be redefined, what about neoliberalism, and the concept of decentralized economies. See, we've been going through cycles ever since humanity began, and every time a cycle ends, we have a chance to rebuild something greater than the last. This podcast episode introduces new ideas to the way we think about money, about really redefining the entire economic model for the greater good. Yeah, that sounds bold, but hey, that's exactly what demolishes old systems to rebirth new ones. And so having said that, you'll get to hear of a mammoth, of an inspiring project led by Michael Haley, founder of Unit Ventures. Having lived my past life, as I like to call it, <laughs> in the area of marketplaces, I was mind blown to know that Michael and Tribe have summoned forces to begin what will be an iterative process to how marketplaces run and thrive together and economies function. Unit Ventures has 40 marketplaces under its umbrella, from art find to bike find to farm find to house find for property to more. If you want to know more, hit me up, drop me a message, direct message, as I play more in this space to co-create with UNIT in the months to come, I've jumped on board the tribe, a collective movement, and you can be a part of it too. I really enjoyed sharing the components I mapped out on how these self-sustainable communities can run. If anyone in the audience who's listening is an impact investor in this space or a co-creator looking to be a part of this, 
drop me a hey. I'm curious. All right, let's get into this. Michael, thank you for accepting the invite. It's been amazing to see what you're doing behind the scenes for UNIT. And on this episode, I'd love our audience to know a couple of things. And we'll cover this and more as the conversation evolves. The first thing is what you're doing as a proof of concept in Bali in regard to creating a community that's self-sustainable and run on a tokenized economy. Following that, we can get into the details of tokenized economies. Of course, we know that there have been major fails in this space. A lot of speculation will cover what it is that would make it successful. Then we get into the marketplaces we're building as a collective. So we're creating spaces that harness healthy community spirit, which means that more people need to have their basic needs met just like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs say, uh, unless you've got shelter, food, we don't have the mental space to create healthy relationships and harness a good sense of belonging, let alone find fulfillment and seek that. So um, it all comes down to us helping firstly ourselves and only then can we contribute to uplifting more people. All right, so let's get started with what you're building out in Bali. Following our conversation about that mind map that I plotted on creating self-sustainable communities. And one of the attributes of that is really to have a, an economic model that allows everyone to thrive. So yeah, Michael, tell us what you're up to in regard to building your proof of concept. Yeah, no, really cool. Yeah, so I, I guess the village in Bali pretty much um, is, is super similar to what you just described, you know, where you're bringing together some really amazing people, fostering um, human connection and having people who are working towards more meaningful goals, um, whether it's um, the sustainable development goals or solving big issues in the world which um and creating economic systems so it's kind of like a village to bring together people who are passionate about um different areas of research or uh things that they're passionate about improving in the world and and see how we can work together and 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 do good and um yeah also it's it's a it's a it's an experiment into this new economy or new economic system on a very micro scale which we hope to uh, show what the future cooperative economy will look like where like you mentioned, your friend who's um, potentially struggling to find uh, investors or backers. We imagine a society where it's super easy to uh, fundraise for any idea or project similar to how the internet has made yeah. uh, searching for information so easy or um, things like WhatsApp or Zoom or Skype has made things really easy to communicate or the mobile phone. I think um, these new economic systems help, help um, allocate resources much more efficiently and allow for things to get funded as well as um, the inequity in the world to be um, bridged. That, that for me is really exciting, creating this new economic system. So if there was a community to be birthed under another umbrella, would you come on board as someone who would then, you know, 
almost integration integration of your own technology within that, right? So like Absolutely. when I think of Eco Villages built by my friend, well, he's getting into that space as well of licensing an operating system of optimizing, you know, how, how a community functions in terms of the food, the waste and re regenerative waste and all of that stuff. So the whole model. So similarly, I'm guessing that that's Definitely. what you're doing, right? Absolutely. So it's like and, and, and the key is how, how white, to... Like white labeling. Exactly. And the key is how can you create a, a, a system and have many different people who can help benefit what he's doing uh, be a stakeholder in it. Yeah. At the moment, like he's likely going to investors or companies, projects are going to investors saying, hey, I need X amount of money. And it's a, bi it's a big ask. You know, it's like, say, okay, I'm going to put in $100,000 or a million dollars, $5 million like, to, to be a part of the project. And then as an investor, you know, you need to think, okay, who's going to buy it over? Is it yeah. going to make enough money to give yeah. a return? Um, who are the customers who are going to be paying and, and growing this? And we imagine like a cooperative economy or the future economy is where everyone is a stakeholder. And uh, in the case that it does succeed, everyone benefits. So like if you think about something like Zoom, which has all of a sudden become a huge success, um, none of the people who were using it or promoting it, organizing events, um, reaped any of the benefits in terms of the, the value created from um, Zoom mm. becoming worth more. And, and we imagine that any organization, community, business, uh, restaurant in the world would be um, sharing the stakeholding with the, the customers of the restaurant or the employees. And yeah, I think this is going to change the world more than the internet or the mobile phone. And, and what we're doing in Bali is, is, a, is a pilot of this new uh, microeconomy. That's awesome. To show that's much better than what currently exists. There's awesome. a hybrid between capitalism and, and socialism. Yeah. I think this concept gives people a new hope and the children of tomorrow really uh, a chance to live more in community and thrive. Um, and those who've read the works by Buckminster Fuller um, in regard to conscious communities, self-sustainable communities, new world architecture, even the likes of Eckhart Tolle, who wrote the book on the, the, the philosophy of a con conscious community and the new earth and consciousness rising, will resonate deeply with a new economic model. Yeah. If you haven't read those books, I highly recommend you look up those authors because um, really interesting concepts around that. Even the show uh, Social Dilemma on Netflix will give some context around the new earth that we need to create and what we need to be aware of in terms of the attention economy. Um, I love how Tristan Harris coined the term, uh, the phrase, attention is sacred. And I think people are getting this more. The community that you're growing and you, that you've drawn towards you to help you build this new way of being, really, in this new earth is fascinating and I think one of the foundations around that is a clearly defined purpose purpose statement for your organization and having everyone aligned with those values it's just going to have this beautiful ripple effect um, on society yeah, I totally agree with you like the why, why are people doing what yes. they do yeah exactly people's sense of purpose and belonging before we get into tokenized economies and more details around the marketplaces, tell us a little bit about your experience at WikiLeaks. What, what was your takeaway and your main learning from being a part of that, uh, that team? Um, I think a few different things. One is um, the importance of, of leadership. So I think it's very important 
when leading an organization, whether it's a global movement or, or a small business, to lead from behind. So have all the different people who are supporting you and a part of whatever vision you have um, in mind to feel that they are as important as the person leading it. So I think um, one thing I learned was that when starting a movement or when being a part of a movement, make sure that the leadership is always putting the uh, vision and the why behind what they're doing and not let ego or the, um, the need for fame or um, whatever other monetary desires overcome the underlying why. Because I think if, if an organization loses um, the why behind what it's doing, then it, it's, it's ver people um, lose interest and passion and, and then it starts falling apart. And then the second thing, is in creating change like global systemic change it's very important not to upset major stakeholders so it's 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 important to create win-win scenarios where if you want to uh, solve poverty in the world or bring bring um the 99 percent um uh to, to a nicer base you can't just take money from the one percent or um, expect to to dismantle the the, the the governments or the economic system what you need to do is you need to create a system where governments benefit uh, big companies benefit the the, the one percent or the three percent that controls most of the world and owns most of the ownership of the companies in the world have them benefit more but in doing so bring everyone else up so those, i guess those are two major takeaways uh, that i learned um in, yeah, in my work there so it's not really the that the one percent are evil it's about how how do we allow for this redistribution of wealth in a way that's fair for everyone. Exactly, exactly. And um, I think one mistake that the movement did was to just um, um, distribute or, or uh, um, dump a bunch of information without putting enough thought through and not being mindful of the repercussions. And I think as a result, it upset a lot of people and um, created some unintended consequences and I think the the motivation or the why is is it was and is there but I think when people uh, whether it's, it's journalists want to get more views or whether it's um, leadership behind a movement wanting to get more recognition you know I think that what's more important is, is why why are they doing what they're doing so if it's journalism are they just trying to create clickbait you know to get more people reading their stuff or are they really trying to create transparency, transparency, accountability, and good journalism to, to showcase what's going on and, and look at different angles and sides of, of what's happening. So in a nutshell, instead of PR stunting, more transparency and authenticity. And what would you say if you were to have done something during your time uh, at WikiLeaks that you really wanted to do and you wanted to birth, but it didn't happen? What, 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 would that, what was that? Um, well, I think it's coming, like the idea of more transparency and accountability and also um, clarity in terms of explaining what different things mean. So I think a lot of um, stuff happened uh, with, with WikiLeaks in terms of things that were exposed. But if you look at how much has actually come about from it, not very much. So the, the impact or where people can be a part or contribute, it's, it's um, not as... Um, impactful as, as I think many people would have wanted. Um, also, I've not been involved for many years. And I think part of the motivation behind that is 
it's it's just not worth um, get, getting involved, being a part of, of something which is so uh, controversial and so um, yeah, I think need to uh, needing to be very careful about uh, what like what are the financial consequences. <laughs> of it. Yeah. yeah. So I think yeah. it you know if the if the why is still the same, but just think of different ways to um, create a better world with more transparency, accountability, and uh, openness. I, I think that's that's a good way to go. Yeah. Firstly, what made you found Unit Ventures, and how did it start? I know that you guys were running a series of uh, events and they were successful all over the world. And now you've kind of built that community base. So maybe give us a little bit of context around how it started. And did you have the vision of where it is today as in the birthing of the marketplaces, which we'll get into? Definitely. So I, I think the two whys or the two um, things that we're really passionate about um, working on is, is the future of work and the future of organizations, whether it's um, businesses, companies, uh, organizations, communities, even a, in a restaurant. We believe that the way um, values is shared or distributed or organizations are set up can, can really evolve. And uh, the first point, we believe that the future of work is gonna be very different from how it is now. So I think, um, um, we, we've hosted events in about 30 cities so far, and our goal is to build these communities and develop our ecosystem in 200 cities. We, we're also building these ecosystems and communities to help create lots of jobs. So the same way that if, if someone um, lost their job now, they would need to go to friends or companies and say, hey, could you please um, hire me so that I can pay my rent or support my family? we want to make that thing of the past where if, if someone's passionate about something or someone has a product or a service to offer, they can very easily just start um, having customers and clients reach out to them and support themselves and support other people. So our goal is to create 50,000 or maybe even 50 million micro entrepreneurs in, in the near future where anyone with, with an idea or someone who is passionate about a particular industry can start working with their friends and the people in their network to create real value and, and help um, build up the local economy from the ground up. And when, when was Unit Ventures founded, Michael? Um, I, it, it was founded maybe the past two or three years. It's something that we've, we've been working on uh, on an ongoing basis. Um, I started with my father, who has a strong background in enterprise software, and my background is more uh, consumer software. So building, I, I used to run a popular social network of a few million users and a video conferencing site very similar to Zoom or Skype, uh, also of a few million users. And um, I suppose what we're passionate about is seeing how we can, the same way different social networks or messaging tools have assisted with communication or many different websites that Wikipedia have given access to information. We, we want to uh, take the learnings of something like Uber or Airbnb and make it really easy for people to find work. So platforms that allow for ease and collaboration where everyone, including the customer, benefits. So it's almost like this completely renewed sense of how a business operates, where the customer is not just the one paying back for service, but they actually invested into the community. Definitely. So yeah, I think the future is where it's largely much more cooperative. So if, if someone has an idea, they could issue 
a token and, and then they can either sell or distribute those tokens to other stakeholders. And, mm -hmm. and, and I believe this is going to transform the, the world and the economy much more than say the internet with e-commerce or the mobile phone with, with apps. Yeah, it's, it's really exciting. So it's almost like de democratizing the economy, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And there's so much wealth and, and value in the world. It's just not as well allocated or it doesn't flow as freely as it should. So I think there's lots of progress that can happen there. Absolutely. Have you guys thought about integrations of your your technology and apps that already have communities that you know th they can benefit from pretty much the wallet that you're building into your platform? Because that really fascinates me. Because tokens, I mean, it's a giant question mark. It's a disruptive technology. It will um, shake the foundations of many existing quote-unquote systems in force. So maybe if we can just break it down for the audience in regard to how you see this evolving into something that's actually mainstream, this becomes the new, new norm in how we trade because we've seen so many things kind of be escalated and the conversations around that just end up becoming this thing of fluffiness yeah no i totally <laughs> so, agree with you i mean it's like the early internet thing so pre prior to the year 2000 you know there was tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars thrown at internet companies and very few of them are like lasted beyond 2001 and had very little substance or value so people were just trying to get more users they had like Super Bowl ads and, and lots of attention that people are saying the internet's going to change the world. And then after the dot-com bubble, you know, people are like, you know, don't touch the internet. It's got no underlying business model. It's got no business value. Even Google, which started in 1997, they only figured out how to make money using advertising in 2002, 2003. YouTube came out in 2005, Facebook in 2004. And these built extremely strong uh, business models. So I, I think it's the same with tokens, you know, if, if someone asked you about what was your email address in 1990 or 1993 or 1994, they'd be like, why would I get an email? The nice thing about tokens is we, we envision a future where everyone has a portfolio of different uh, tokens or different projects they're a part of or believe in. And um, it creates a, a, mu a much more cooperative one. So the idea that if, if someone had a, a podcast or someone had a, an Instagram page with um, a fan base, a community, the idea that the, that community is able to buy into this uh, content and support the the growth of it, and then they're invested to support um, in marketing it. And um, since they they were early in spotting the potential and the quality of the content, they would benefit from its growth. So mm. yeah, I'm really excited because I think um, this is this is really in its infancy, and it's going to go maybe a hundred or a thousand times. Um, bigger than it is now like people um like, it's you like said, that it's the exponential technology curve right it's exactly, like you're exactly. blinded you don't see it it's failing yeah. and suddenly it's like definitely, <laughs> definitely and even now there's still very little uh, to show in the entire token space so yeah. like, people mentioned bitcoin as a token or ethereum or sure. all of these other tokens but the thing is many of these tokens they don't have really strong use cases yet you know so if if let's say you were telling me about it and I was like, great, and I'm going to buy some. Okay, so let's say I bought some Bitcoin, I bought some Ethereum. But what is the point of it? Yeah, it, yeah. Exactly. I mean, okay, what do I do? Can I spend <laughs> it somewhere? Can I um, use it on something? It's, it's not, yet, um, not yet there yet. So it's the same as maybe getting a, 
internet connection or a computer when the internet first came out and there were no websites to to go to or no one to email. So I think, yeah, it, it really is um, is is an an area worth looking into, and it's gonna. So there are two questions off the back of that. The Definitely. first one is what? How would you define a valuable token? Like, what would make a token valuable? That would be the first question. Definitely, I think th there are a few things. Like, one is how well distributed is it? So if, mm -hmm. if you think of, um, um, if you think of a token, maybe similar to like a um, a governmental currency. So if, if let's say you were to give um, give me some uh, euros or like um, like uh, or Vietnamese dong or Thai baht or like a, a lesser known country in Africa, I, I would probably say, hey, I'll take the euro just because the number of countries that use it or the number of people that accept it is much more. So the first one is is how many, what's the distribution of it? Like how many people are holding it? How many people believe in the underlying vision or the why of the community behind it? The second one is um, how how many transactions are going through it? So how much is actually being used? And is it being burned? So is, is the supply being reduced? So if you think about most, most currencies, most of the time there's a central bank that's is, uh, printing more money or uh, issuing loans to increase the supply of it. So the second thing is uh, how big is the supply and is the supply reducing? So if, if the supply is reducing very quickly, it's like if there was 100 limited edition paintings and every year five of them were, were destroyed, then mm. it's going to become more valuable because it's more limited in supply. Mm. Yep. And then and the, yeah. when you say burned, what do you mean? You're exchanging it back for for regular currency, or you're using it in the in the system for something else? It's being re removed completely. So imagine if there were 100 limited editions of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory Rodell's first edition. So mm -hmm. imagine the books actually being burned and disappearing. Mm -hmm. So it's not being sold where someone else has it. So you but just get rid of it. Just get rid of it. So like, let's say there were a thousand uh, first edition prints of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and then um, 200 of them got burned, unfortunately, in a fire. So there's 800 left. And then 300 were, are in such bad condition that they, they can't really be seen. So there's 500 left. And as this, and maybe there's only 10 left. And because there's only 10, it, it becomes extremely valuable. Mm -hmm. But if they mm -hmm. discovered 25 more, then it becomes worth less. So I guess the first one is distribution. Uh, mm -hmm. How many people have... Um, wallets or um, hold, hold a, a stake in, in this uh, token. The second one is um, the supply of it and, and how fast it's reducing. So um, like for instance, with unit, every time someone transacts with a unit or one of our marketplace tokens, the supply is being reduced. Mm -hmm. So that's the second one. Uh, the third one is, um, I would say how much um, is holding or, or backing that token. So similar to if you look at a company and you see what are the assets under management or like what what's on the balance sheet, I think what's going to happen is tokens are going to have uh, pools or basically uh, reserves where if you bought, let's say, uh, some Michael token or some Ant token, you'll be able to see how much is the community put into that token to hold it up so that if someone wanted to exchange some Ant token for... Um, euros or us dollars or bitcoin they will the the, the reserve would just deplete but at least that this reserve is holding up the end token it's the same way that like for instance in hong kong when there was the protest last year the hong kong do dollar didn't just drop because they had a bunch of us dollars in reserve to kind of hold up the, the hong kong dollar but the reserves were going down 
So mm -hmm. I guess those are three three um, key ways. So distribution, um, the supply, and, and how much it's, it's, it's being burned. And then the third one is the, the reserves, the pool that's backing it. And one question about the burning. Yeah. What is the motivation behind burning? Is it that, in the, and it goes back to what we were talking about initially, that people have to be aligned with the value of it, right? The values of the being a part of that community to understand why they would burn. Am I right? Yep, that's right. So I guess the key about um, burning is it's very similar to companies doing stock buybacks. So it's yeah. just like, imagine if, if two of us uh, started a company, you had 50%, I had 50%. And the, comp and the company made this amount of money, we could either distribute that money amongst the two of us or mm. we could use that money to buy back um, some of, let's say, my shares or your shares and then mm. reduces the number of shares in the company. So um, it, it just, what burning does, it, it, it makes the, um, the shares or the tokens become worth more because there's less of it and the, the vehicle, the company, the organization is worth the same. So it's, you, mm -hmm. If you think of it, it's shared amongst less people. And it, it's a really good way by which um, value created can be very uh, easily distributed because the opposite actually happens with traditional currencies. Like there's just more money being printed. And let's mm -hmm. say I saved my whole life to have uh, $25,000 after saving $1,000 a year for 25 years. You know, governments are just printing $50,000 every minute. You know, so yeah. like what I work X number of years for, governments are just printing more of it and, and making the purchasing power of whatever I earned worth less and less. So, so it is really quite sad. And I think moving towards these uh, token-driven economy systems are going to help solve a lot of this. And it's also going to help people understand this sharing and circular economy, right? Exactly, exactly. And, and the, yeah, no, it's, it's super exciting. Yeah. So this segues nicely into the next topic, which is about a community you're building out in Bali. We touched on this briefly at the beginning of this conversation, but let's get into it over here. Definitely. So I suppose what we're demonstrating in Bali is, is the future of society where mm -hmm. everyone you meet or everyone, um, every um, project you come across, it's possible for you to become a stakeholder in it. So, mm -hmm. you know, you could contribute some time or you could uh, put in a small amount of money and then you become um, a piece of, of that story and you become part of, making that project um, a success. So it's, it's not the case where, let's say if, if I was um, to go to a, um, an art gallery, I'm, I'm a customer along with the employees are, are simply working to help make the, the founder and, and the, his or her investors um, a return so that they can um, start more or they can make money from the project, but we're all uh, part of this, this together. So we're, we're still showing how our 300 villa, a 300 apartment village in Bali, everyone there is um, working together as a, as a collective. And I think if we can demonstrate it to work well on, on this extremely small scale, then potentially other organizations are going to realize, hey, you know, this makes so much more sense. And then businesses and organizations will see that if we don't have our users and our um, community as, a, as an essential piece of our um, development and our growth and it's not going to um, be sustainable and it's going to be disrupted the same way you know it's hard to see um, newspapers uh, nobody ordering newspapers um, 20 years ago mm -hmm. you know and now everyone gets the news on a mobile phone like or listening to um, music on a walkman and now everyone's got it on a mobile phone 
So it's it's quite tricky to see how um, value in the future or something you've worked for your entire life, like traditional government money can be uh, evolved to something where you, you maybe hold some ant tokens, you hold some micro tokens, you hold some city tokens, as well as your few favorite restaurants or bars or yoga studios. Yeah, I'd like to pioneer this new shift in, in economy and value. So Bali is your proof of concept. Yeah, and it's also our headquarters. So the way that we are building up our communities and our ecosystem is we've identified 200 cities around the world where we can sort of um, grow these um, viral communities. So uh, about 80, 70 in Asia, 30 in Middle East and Africa, 50 in Europe and 50 in the Americas. And I, and I suppose our village in Bali represents the, the headquarters for our Asia growth. Mm -hmm. We basically want to see, okay, in, in Bangkok or in um, Hanoi or in um, Kuala Lumpur, how can we support people who are really struggling by businesses shutting down or losing, uh, losing their job? How can we help them um, find a new job and, and find customers and, and start their own agency or their own micro uh, business to support other people. Yeah, so I, I think that's really exciting. It really is. It really is. And I think um, getting on board the right partners, I know you've been working on that. I know people in the community already are working on bringing on board partners. So maybe just explain a little bit about how that would work. So, for example, if there's an art gallery that's coming on board or, um, you know, an organization that could potentially have um, people selling cars, for example, a marketplace for cars. Um, how, how do you define a partner? What, what will they get by being a part of the platform? Definitely. So I, I guess the same way, like when Airbnb first started, they were working with um, passionate hosts who were really um, uh, supportive by basically sharing their guest room or sharing their couch to let strangers or people in the Airbnb community come into their homes and, and show what their, their city or their town is like. Or the same way Uber worked with, with um, taxi companies or drivers or people who want to make some money on the side by giving people a lift. Like what we're looking for is for people who have a product or a service to offer or a community they feel that they can support. And how, how they do that is, is two ways. One is to um, to sign up as a seller of a, of a product or service, so be a provider. And then the second way is to issue tokens. And we'll, we will handhold and support uh, projects or businesses or organizations on how their community can benefit from them issuing a token. So if, if let's say uh, someone was running a coffee shop or a restaurant, we would show them how a token would support um, the, the, their restaurant and getting more customers, their customers being more loyal, as well as when their restaurant grows and expands, their customers getting rewarded. So it's the same way like airlines reward their loyal, um, um, lo loyal customers with, with flight miles or hotels do it with hotel points. That we, we we're excited to do it for the, the long tail of, of projects and organizations and businesses. Awesome. And I know that you guys are currently working on videos. Am I right to, to help people kind of grasp this and start coming on board a bit more? Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really exciting like to watch the growth and see how people are super excited and motivated to grow their own yes. um, project on this. And, and we're also doing these um, explanation videos and, and we want to get experts in the world to kind of share their insight, how they managed to build um, a business or an organization or a movement in a particular industry. So really uh, show, educate people as well as um, we're doing these uh, unconferences. So unit conferences, both live and online where people have the ability and, and the 
um, the the space to kind of share an idea or a passion or a learning. So I, mm -hmm. I think that that's really helped me in the past, and I, I I'm excited for it to help other people too. Super, I totally agree. The conversations are where we learn. Um, how many marketplaces have you launched under the unit portfolio? What the vision was around that? Um, coming from a marketplace background, anyone who's listening to this coming from a marketplace background would be like, whoa, what's going on? Like, how, how is this going to work? What drove you to do it and what you, how you think it's going to evolve? Definitely. So, I mean, we, we believe that any community can be a marketplace or any organization can be a potential marketplace. And, and we've started with uh, 40 marketplaces, which sounds like a lot, though in the future, we hope to power millions of marketplaces where even a coffee shop becomes a micro marketplace or a community where if, if let's say I'm running a coffee shop, you know, my only means of generating revenue is serving coffee or maybe sandwiches or, or food. We believe that a community, an ecosystem like a coffee shop can benefit from potential transactions between each of the members. So if, if let's say um, someone was part of an organization which is passionate about yoga or passionate about coaching, you know, when they provide services to one another or when they support each other with their projects, then it benefits the organization as well as each of the individuals. So like one example is we have a platform for artists called ArtFind or we have a platform for coaching called CoachFind or one for property called Housework where if you wanted to find a coach or if you want to find an artist to buy art from or wanted to speak with someone to rent or buy a property or even sell your property, all you have to do is type in your location on, on our platform and we would match you with a provider or a seller who would be super excited for your business. And they would trade initially using regular cash or how, how, would, they, how would it work so that someone starts using tokens and exchanging in tokens? Definitely. So I guess the key is how can we make it super simple for people to realize that, um, that or not, not realize that they're using tokens and have it all seamless and behind the scenes. So the same way when credit cards first came out or debit cards came out, people were like, whoa, how does this work? You know, I'm, I'm, I no longer use cash. I, I basically swipe my card and it's taking money from my bank account or um, my card that I've topped up money on. Like we, we want to make it as easy as that. So um, how we do it is we basically have um, have a wallet where people top up their credit to, like a, like a phone phone credit or phone card, and and then once they topped it up, they can simply pay um, their service provider, and then we um, make it really easy for the provider or the seller to redeem it for cash or for other products or services. So, in other words, over in the long term vision would be I could use tokens from one platform for another uh, service on another platform exactly. and everything's kind of interchangeable. So it'll operate like a horizontal marketplace with multiple verticals that allow cross pollination within these communities. Sweet. Okay, I love that we're both nodding our heads. So the question really to be answered is how could we all better benefit from an Uber model or an Airbnb model of how can we make everyone win? Not just this um, gimmicky saying, put the customer first, but the customer is not vested into the community. They're not benefiting long-term from the rewards of the business. Most definitely. And, and the nice thing too, is that we reward all the different members in this ecosystem. So like if I was the first Uber driver or you were the first Uber customer in 2010, 
when Uber made $82 billion and when they went public on the stock market, the two of us didn't receive any of that benefit, even though you used Uber to go to work or to go to uh, see friends. And I was driving Uber for 10 hours a day for eight years. You know, we didn't get any of the benefit. Though, I mean, f- fair enough, you got a ride and I got, um, I, I, I got paid from it, but th- there's so much value being created and none of it is shared by the users or the people who are essential for that growth. So I think what's going to disrupt big companies like Facebook or Zoom or um, mm. WhatsApp is... is the customer becomes a part of the organization. Exactly. And if I had a choice between working with an organization where I had a stake in or I, I'm being directly rewarded versus one where I'm, I have no stake in, you know, then I would much prefer the one where I'm actually a part of it. I'll give you an example. So I, I, I supported the Oculus Rift, uh, Oculus fundraising on Kickstarter. They raised a few million dollars and I, I supported by by pre-ordering one of the sets. But but when Google, when Facebook bought it for like billions of dollars, like I didn't get any any piece of, yeah. of that, right? And, or the same way when uh, Cards Against Humanity, they, they had this amazing yeah. idea to make a, a, a game which a bunch of people believed and supported their, their vision. They didn't benefit from all of the, the future growth of it. So we imagine um, an economy where everyone who supports one another receives some of the benefit and value flows around much more efficiently and people won't have to worry about money or surviving the same way they do now. And I think one of the things that technology as well should, should find a way to maneuver is this balance between the physical and the virtual world. This is why I like your, your experiment in Bali. And I like what, what's happening with certain individuals around the world when it comes to, you know, regenerative villages and that kind of concept of living self-sustainably, getting people to use their hands, but also benefiting from technology that we have. So what are your thoughts on that balance between virtual and physical? Definitely. So I think, um, I think it's so important to be in nature and to be super present. So I think um, a lot of um, people really struggle with um, having this maybe idea of success or this idea of, of where, what they want, like whether it's a nicer car or a nicer house. And all that comes from desires in the mind, you know, whether it's, you know, wanting to impress someone or whether it's uh, thinking that this is going to validate themselves to other people and I think when people start meditating or doing more yoga then they they learn to be more present and when you become more present you realize that none of this matters and I think maybe part of the silver lining with with all of this quarantine and and shutdowns is that people realize that you know like why are they doing what they're doing you know if they make another x amount or if they get a nicer car or a bigger house like why you know what is the point and and yeah. part of these intentional communities or um, um, movements or um, yeah, communities is, is really giving people, like you mentioned, the human connection, um, finding other people who are passionate about what they're doing, whether it's making music or art or yes. hiking. You know. Yeah, there are people like you and others who I will bring forth on the White Rabbit Show who are right now in this present moment, creating the space to allow humanity to transition into better models. Sure, does that mean it's going to be bulletproof with the first attempt? No, but I sure as hell love the passion and purpose behind taking the steps and the progress we're making collectively. This isn't something that founders are doing in isolation 
but they're working with the collective that are drawn to their purpose and everyone's vested in. And just like anything new, there will be early adopters to new models and others who will remain clung to models until they find the need to transition into something new. What the world has gone through this year has offered everyone a choice to go within and ask themselves what really matters to them. Only when we live more in the present moment, we will be able to find our answers and not be swayed by what media or social networks or algorithms want us to view or see or become a part of, but really resonates with our essence within. It's fitting to say during times like this, when there's so much contrast in the world, there needs to be a willingness to unlearn patterns. Having said that, there's a quote I love by Francis Scott Fitzgerald, who was an American novelist, and um, he coined the term the Jazz Age. He said, the test of a first-rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposing ideas in mind at the same time and still retain the ability to function. It is through the exploration of these opposing ideas or uncertainty, if you will, that we come to better outcomes. Live a wholesome life. So on one side, you had people who had the time to reevaluate. But then we also have people who are scared right now and they're trying to survive, you know, infused with fear. Either they lost a job, a loved one. They may be stuck in really negative situations. And this could just be in their own mind, um, talking about depression and, and suicide, which is such a sensitive topic. So how can we offer each other a helping hand that benefits everyone long term is really what this is all about. So there's the emotional stability and there's the financial stability that's required for us to really. Yeah. And, so, and continue on from that point, just really quickly before we continue. Yeah. So I think... Um, also, a lot of people though struggle in um, in supporting themselves sustainably, or or the economic side of it. And I think if if we don't yeah. uh, provide a way for people to sustainably support themselves or give them a nice base, um, then then it's very hard to get someone to eat healthier or to care about social issues or environmental issues or many of the pressing problems in the world. So I think yeah. fundamentally, you know, we need a way to give everyone a nice base and um, su support them in um, being economically sustainable. And then once the mo monetary side is taken care of, then, you know, I think things will be really, um, people yeah. will become much more finished. Yeah, because yeah, they're not living in fight and flight anymore. They're yep. living in that space of creation. They're, exactly. They're creation. And then yeah. things flow super nicely. Yeah. More of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay. Um, so yes, to get back to the marketplaces, do you envision certain, are you focusing more on certain marketplaces than others? Or how, how are you like, right now, you've got a kind of team in place, and you're, you're, you're gaining momentum. But is there anything that you're, you feel like you're trying to draw your focus more on to, so that it gives a nice lift for the rest of the market? Definitely. definitely. So I, I guess the way we're looking at it is very similar to a venture fund or a venture studio where each of these are separate ventures where we're trying to find the best people in the world to work with, to get behind it and um, to support them in their vision in supporting artists or supporting real estate agents. And I think 
there are people in the world who um, understand the real estate industry better than 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 us and and our our core team. So it's 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 simply finding a way to um, work with directly with those people. And I I suppose you it, it might be seen as if we're building forty separate companies or forty separate products or forty uh, separate um, organizations. But really, like we are building this movement where there's many different pieces of it. And you know you could say it's we're actually focusing on these forty areas versus trying to do everything. Or we are um, work uh, find, working with the best people in these forty areas and and supporting them with resources, whether it's money or time and um, a network and technology to to empower all of these communities. I suppose why we chose these um, these marketplaces to begin with is because they um, employ a lot of people, so they provide a lot of jobs. It it constitutes a large part of the economy, so there's a lot of transactions and there's a lot of um, value flowing around there and we believe that also many of these organizations if we put a sustainable or a, a meaningful twist on it it can do a lot of good mm -hmm. so whether it's um, like our hairdressing platform where some when someone sits in front of a mirror for half an hour and an hour you know if we work with our hairdressers and our stylists and our barbers to potentially um, share with um, their customers different ways or perspectives or tools in improving their life then you know it can um, have a very profound impact on a lot of people or if say the the real estate platform we had a slant towards more uh, regenerative or sustainable uh, development practices mm -hmm. eco-friendly uh, development tools then I, I think it it provides a very nice way to um, move society to be more whether environment is sustainable or um, using a cooperative model where value is, is um, mm -hmm. better distributed. Yeah. Real estate is a big ticket item. So yep. starting there is a little bit a little bit trickier than, than the smaller ticket items. Sure. How do you envision that? Has, has there been a transaction uh, of real estate on the platform as yet? And how do you envision yeah, that? So, so, I mean, at the moment, provided um, customers are basically writing to agents, but mm -hmm. the, the idea of um, buying a property on... Um, on the platform sounds a little bit tricky uh, or even making a payment on the platform is a bit tricky though it is the same way that people uh, before internet banking or online banking came out probably would have been a bit wary of making a bank transfer on, on a computer you know or the same way um, the, the digital currency space is still very small but growing like there aren't enough people who um, have enough uh, digital assets or digital tokens to buy property but we imagine a future where um, if someone wants to pay their rent or someone wanted to buy a, a hundred thousand dollar apartment they would be very comfortable in, in using a tool um, like what we're building because it's more transparent it's more um, um, traceable so um, if if someone makes a payment for a, tra a transaction there is proof that hey you know i bought this place you know mm -hmm. but if if it was if it was uh, done with with a, a bank transfer, a wire, or an escrow, then potentially there are um, entities which need to be trusted. And in mm -hmm. developing markets, you know, it, it it can be a little bit more tricky to buy property than maybe more established markets like the Western world. But yeah, we're excited to pioneer and experiment in improving that. What about the technology that you're using to build these platforms? Definitely. So we have. Um, the platform built in, in two states. One is a decentralized app, a DAP, which we, we believe to 
um, be something that is going to, which is, which is actually referred to as web free. So it's the future of the web where um, projects like Facebook or, or WhatsApp or something like Zoom isn't controlled by a company, but it's, it's supported by many different organizations. So we have a version of, of Unit and our different marketplaces and platforms, which is um, Web3. But then we also have a, a standard platform, which is very similar to um, online banking or a messaging tool like Facebook or WhatsApp, where it's really easy to, or Craigslist, where it's really easy to uh, look for a provider, message them, and, and sol solve a problem, whether it's looking for a service or a product. Yeah, so it's, it's nothing really new to a, a customer. But hopefully we have um, an easier way to, to communicate. And um, we, we also don't want the buying experience to be too much online. So we're very focused on making the introduction of the customer to the provider and letting them handle the transaction similar to if you gave me the WhatsApp contact of someone and I messaged them. So we, we don't want to show them a bunch of properties and have them guess which one makes most sense or if they're buying art, we don't want them to scroll through different art pieces. We want to introduce them to a person who can maybe bring them to a gallery or have a phone call and, and, and then um, listen to, to, to what they're looking for. So it's a social networking hub run on tokens that encourages helping each other generate economic growth by providing our services or products once a connection is made by interaction. That's quite different to the way marketplaces are traditionally rolled out. You have the listings, the gallery pages to showcase how user, the user's goods and services. There's time put into development of that UX. What you're going to do is experiment with not developing a showcase of goods and services, but instead you would connect the individuals and then they would take it from there. You're looking at how that wallet can really optimize for economic growth of each individual in the system. Exactly, or yeah. So it's the same as if, if let's say, I wanted to buy a piece of art. Um, I, I would write to you, Anne, and say, hey, Anne, I, I've got a budget of X amount. I'm looking to buy an art piece for my living room. I'm looking to invest in an art piece. And you'll say, hey, amazing. You should speak to this person, this person, this person. And when I speak to them, th they would be able to help answer and give me confidence and um, help me in my purchasing decision better than if I was scrolling through artwork or looking at different uh, coaches or um, properties and having really no clue because as a customer, you know, most of the time the customer doesn't know what they want. And that's why they go to a retail shop. They ask the salesperson, hey, you know, this is my budget. This is um, how much I, I will use the product. or this is what I'm worried about. Like, can you help me? So we want to really take it back to the real world, especially for people who, who don't really understand technology or they don't have the time to... Um, to be maintaining or uh, building out the profile. So if, if I'm a real estate agent, you know, I don't want to be putting properties up on, on this marketplace or this app. And every time the property is taken, you know, I'm going to have to update it and then put new properties up. And then I'm spending as much time updating this online presence as I am in the real world. So our, our goal is just to make it super easy for um, our, our sellers and providers just by creating a profile. They can build a reputation there and, in the future, when they want to become a micro entrepreneur, they can use their network to bring on board customers and providers, and then they're rewarded by doing that too. If you walk down the shop to a real estate agency, or you walked into an art gallery, or you went into a clothing store, you know there is someone you're speaking to who is a person, you know, and they know this this thing whether you're buying, whether it's a property or a piece of clothing, better 
and that may be the customer and, and they can really guide you and, and support you. And we basically want to empower all these people in the world who have a passion for a subject or an industry to be able to help um, sell services or products and then be able to support themselves in doing so. Because sometimes, you know, your friends might say, hey, um, I love your help or advice on this particular thing. But then it's very hard to say, hey, you know, I actually have spent countless hours and invested in courses and went to university studying this. So I, I w- and I, I need to pay my rent or support my family. I, I, I do charge for this, this advice or this service. So we're basically making it really easy for someone to, um, to, say, that. to say that and, and to have the system take care of it. Morning they wake up and you know there's four or five new people asking them for their support in 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 buying an art piece or renting a bike or buying a car and and they're able to use their network and and maybe their team to support them in solving their clients' needs. And have you considered the integration? I mean, we talked about this a little bit, but this is where I see how you know people who do want to see something. So if someone's sitting out of New York and I'm sitting out of Dubai and you're sitting yep. out of Bali. And I do want to see something, but I'm coming through you because I know you and I trust you, but I just want to be able to see this somewhere. So you could potentially be a part of an app or you could be owning an app. Maybe you have that service. So the integration of allowing for the showcase of it through another application. Absolutely, like whether it's Instagram or a listing site or property. So we don't want to interfere too much in that. The same way Google, you know, doesn't tell you how you should monetize your website or they don't, Google doesn't worry about um, how your website should be built. All they're doing is they're sending you traffic yeah. and you can pay Google to send you more traffic. So we're just focused on introducing people. And if, yeah. if let's say we introduce five or 50 or 500 people to a provider and they're transacting and getting good reviews, then we'll send them more business. You know, we'll send them more clients. And we don't want to interfere too much on saying, hey, this is how you should uh, be a coach or this is how you should sell cars or this is how... Yeah. Um, customers should be buying property because it's very different in different parts of the world. It's very different. Some customers prefer to look at it visually. Some customers prefer to look at all the specs or the information. You know, so w- we really want to take it back to how uh, the real world operates and um, use many of the improvements of technology to gradually um, introduce people to to the benefits of it. Yeah. So you're keeping it lean on the marketplace front, focused on making the connection between the provider and the customer, and then developing the backend tool in the wallet to be able to trade in tokens. So even in regard to working with partners who have apps and communities, so literally this is more about enabling mass usage of the tokens, but then actually getting the ball rolling is to kind of drill down on one aspect and focus on it really well. If we, if we just focused on introducing the two sides, the same way if, if, if I'm an artist and I, I arrived in a new city and I, I asked you, hey, Anne, could you introduce me to some awesome people? And then just by maybe one or two people you introduced to, it completely changes and opens up, changes my life and opens up doors. You know, we want to be that that tool that really changes and improves lives and opens countless doors for people. Awesome. Exciting, Michael. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people jumping on this. Can you tell us a little bit about the number of people who are already on the uh, platform? Definitely. So we have about 15,000 users at the moment. And um, it's it's been extremely um, exciting to watch the growth because every person who comes on is motivated to 
build their organization and to um, serve the different customers' needs um, for whatever they know well or they're passionate about. And I'm excited because um, I used to run a popular social network with a few million users. So I, I think as we scale up, you know, being able to create millions of jobs and um, support millions of families is, I think, really, really exciting. And um, yeah, support millions of new businesses, entrepreneurs, which can be formed. And it goes back to what we spoke about, values and purpose. And when you have that purpose, then it's a ripple effect. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, so tell us how you've managed to get funding for this. What is the difference between what you're doing and what you know other people have tried in the past? Yeah. So I think it's really exciting because now the crypto space or, or the blockchain space is going into a bull market. And what that means is people are, optimistic and excited about the future. The same way in 2017, there were tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars being thrown at companies. And then after the bubble burst, you know, people lost interest and wrote it off completely. It was a shame that there were a lot of uh, scams in the space, you know, people who uh, were promising to do really disruptive and amazing uh, projects, which got funded, but then they didn't deliver on anything. Um, and, and then now there has been some progress and, and people are funding projects again. I think what needs to happen though is there needs to be even more substance. So I hope that given this bull market now and, and projects are getting funded, um, there is more substance and results than there was in 2017. So the same way the internet, you know, had a bunch of money being thrown at it in 2000, 2001, mm -hmm. then the bubble burst and then there were real companies formed. You know, I think now it's really up to us to build uh, real businesses, which uh, as mentioned before, have a, a large distribution. Um, the supply is reducing um, because of, of, of uh, tokens being burned and, and transactions happening, real value being created and um, liquidity. So enough um, tokens or cash supporting it. So Aston's book, because many of uh, the tokens or crypto projects at the moment, they have really high valuations. So they're worth really uh, big numbers, but there's not enough money that's backing up these companies. So the moment people start selling these tokens, the value is going to drop. And that's what happened in 2017. And I think if people aren't careful, this is what could happen in the next six to 10 months. Mm. And that's why you're, you're, um, you're going back to back with your um, funding rounds, right? Yep, that's right. So yeah, it's, it's really exciting because I think the it's, way- It's super exciting. I mean, yeah. I've not seen someone do it like that. So yeah. And, and the way we're building our project too, it's very much, um, similar to how traditional companies are built. You know, many projects in the token space, you know, they don't have any idea of uh, um, revenue or um, a, a profit or um, a way to uh, back up what their tokens are worth. So projects mm -hmm. are trading at hundreds of millions or billions of dollars. And when a traditional institutional investor or retail investor says, hey, like, what am I buying? Or is, is, is this a fair valuation? You know, it's very hard at the moment to value crypto tokens or companies because they're so extremely overvalued. So I'm excited because I think, you know, as we start issuing tokens and supporting tokenized organizations and um, making them a success, we'll be able to introduce frameworks to properly value tokens. So if, if let's say I had a Michael token, you had an Ant token, and it was valued at X amount, like there, there will be frameworks to um, better uh, determine whether it's a fair valuation. So if something's super overpriced and people are like, okay, maybe I shouldn't 
um, throw money at it the way that people are doing now or they have done in the past. I think that's really it, right? The value creation of the token and being vigilant as that unfolds is going to be critical. Yep. And the real value creates So is there a problem being solved or um, is there a product or service being offered? So many of many tokens exist now, but there's no actual value created, which is really sad. It's the same as internet companies early on, which, which um, were very much driven by hype and they, there were no underlying product or, or businesses or actual customers there. Yeah, so I, I think that I'm excited because I believe that's going to evolve. Yes. And I was having a conversation with someone about the future of tokens and how really we could live in this more circular economy, exactly. but being able to like, you know, if I have extra solar power, I can give it to my neighbor or, you know, send it off to a village or food or, you know, all of this. So, so the question I got back is, well, what makes it different to, to doing it with cash? Right. It's, yep. it, and it's such a simple question, but how would you answer that? So, okay. So now you start trading all these things online and I know it goes back to, you know, the purpose and the vision and of, of doing this, but like quite simply, it's still this concept that is not easy to digest. You could have it's a conversation for hours and you're like, yeah. yeah, you so, can have a conversation But just, can't uh -huh. we just pay $5 instead of 10 tokens? I don't yeah, get it. It's so complicated. So it's the same as I remember watching a, a, um, an interview that Bill Gates gave to David Letterman and he was trying to share in 1992 how this computer's, uh, how a computer is, is so interested in the internet. And it's like, you can, he was trying to say, oh, you can read your news on the internet. Like, have you heard of David Lesson? Have you heard of the newspaper? You say, oh, you can listen to music and you can record it, but isn't there a tape recorder? Or you can, and, and it was very hard to, to, um, to, 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 to share the, the good points of why a computer makes sense. And now, you know, if, if someone doesn't have a computer, it's, it's like, okay, you know, wow, you should really get a computer. So I think the same way um, cash is a token, you know, that governments have issued and people are using. Um, that's how it works now. I, I do believe that um, there are two extremes. One is where there's one token in the world, you know, whether it's the earth, earth, earth currency or the earth dollar. Um, mm -hmm. the, uh, yeah, uh, then you've got different ones for like continents, like Euro for the, the European Union, you've got US dollar for all the United States. And then you've got even pushing a bit more, you've got individual currencies like Japan having a yen, or you've got Mexico having a peso. So you're moving slightly more. And then you've got even communities having their own um, currency. So I think having tokens is just moving it closer to the side where you've got more autonomy and uh, more value for the individual. So it's, it's, just, it's, it's just an evolution of what's happening now. And it's, um, it's hopefully going to be more fluid in terms of if you had some end tokens and you bought some coffee or you bought some food, all of this happens behind the scenes and super seamlessly. Mm. So it would, it's kind of like decentralizing uh, the economic model, but globalizing the valuation. Exactly, exactly. So right. it, it, yeah, because I mean, like, if, imagine if you signed up to Facebook early on, or you signed up to Twitter, you know, you should really have got a stake in, in these companies just by being a user. And mm -hmm. uh, as you use it more, you know, Facebook is generating advertising revenue. Some of that should have gone to hold um, the Facebook tokens, you know, so the people who were the first hundred users of Facebook, and if, if they won the first hundred to use it to tell this, the second or third few hundred users, Facebook wouldn't have existed. You know, if I was mm -hmm. an Uber driver and I was um, not delivering my clients or not, um, 
my car was a mess, you know, I, I wasn't delivering value, none of this value would have increased it. So it's just basically um, unlocking a lot of value in the world and distributing more efficiently. So it's, it's really not radically different to how we, ex um, how the world works now, but it's just making it much more efficient. So if, if you had an idea for a company or your, your friend who has this idea for a village, he could just issue a token the same way he would start a company and people would buy shares in those companies. But without the, the big problem with um, creating a company and getting shares issued and having people buy shares is it's extremely inefficient. Like I used to work at one of the biggest funds in Europe where we would um, invest in maybe 10 companies out of 3,000 companies. So that's 2,990 people who are told, no, you know, you're trying to um, raise money for your company to build fund and grow it, but they're being denied. So I imagine a future where someone like your friend can issue a token, share with a, a bunch of people. They can all just chip in a tiny amount because they know that if they uh, put this tiny amount and it is a success, they, they can reap some of the rewards and they don't have to wait for it to get bought over by a bigger company to acquire it or go public on the stock exchange because in real time, you know, they, they can either exchange it back for um, US dollars or euros and use it to pay for food or for rent yeah, or, or whatever oh. their basic needs are. Awesome. I love the vision. So if someone jumps on right now on um, Univentures, so let's say um, Farm Find, and okay, they want to find a farm. Yep. Can you take us through this? This, this process, what it's like? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So like, let's say if I was living in central London, I would just type in on the search London. It would give me a list of uh, providers, like, mm -hmm. like a Google search engine. I would click on a profile I like and then start messaging, hey, I love to um, get some vegetables delivered. Um, mm -hmm. every week or love I'm throwing a house party um, in um, on the weekend would you be able to give me a bunch of uh, fresh produce so that I can cook a barbecue so mm -hmm. we're just making it really easy for a, a farmer or someone who is um, would otherwise be standing in a farmer's market hoping yeah. that people walk by we're trying to put that online so instead of uh, him or her having to stand there all day she, he or she can just wake up in the morning and see hey these four or five people would love produce from this farm and I can um, generate um, value by um, bringing the farm produce to this person, similar to a supermarket or farmer's market. That's what we're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. And how would I pay for it right now? So I'm the person who's buying from you yeah. on the platform. I found you are the person who can give me, you know, the tomatoes I want. And um, I'm going to use my credit card, correct? Or yeah. am I gonna I'm gonna use my credit card to buy tokens, or am I gonna use my credit card pay cash? Yeah, so it's it's really easy. Like you can either use your credit card to uh, top up onto the system, and then mm -hmm. you get a balance. You send it to the. And when you the, say top up, you're buying tokens. You're buying tokens, which is which is like um, going to a country and buying local currency so that yeah. you can spend it there. So mm -hmm. instead of it being a country, you're part of this global ecosystem, mm -hmm. or it's the same as buying a gift card which you spend on iTunes. So mm -hmm. you can either use your credit card to buy iTunes gift cards or you could buy the iTunes gift cards from yeah. one of the providers. And then when you have credit on the system, you can start spending it. And then um, as a provider, you know, I can just easily sell that for cash and um, so support the circular economy. Um, there is there's someone called uh, Vandana Shiva. I don't know if you've heard of her, but she talked, she, she's, she's an awesome a person in the space. Um, and she talks about the earth democracy and she's written tons of books about uh, the one percent against the rest of the world and like very interesting stuff 
cool. She's in her, um, I think, early 70s. Amazing. But a lot of the, the, the things that she fought for was farmer rights and, mm. you know, the patents of seeds and all of these things. And Monsanto I feel, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, it's really sad if you look at, like, the coffee trade, how little money in terms of what the end customer pays for coffee oh, goes yeah. to the coffee bean producer. And I think what we're doing is we're making the supply chain much more efficient. And yeah. we're also offering a way for farmers or for producers to receive a lot of that value. So like, for instance, if I work for you as a developer and you're a developer agency, you might be selling um, my time to a client for $1,000 a day, but I'm only getting maybe two or $300 from that. So you, you keep 70% of um, whatever value is created. So we're going to derail and ask you what it is you do as you're building this movement for the collective, redefining a new economy. What do you do for quite time? Or to be more direct. What are you doing to breathe, Michael? <laughs> well, do you have a routine? Do you do any rituals? It'd be great to know because there are so many people right now who are trying to create these impact for good businesses and um, they can get overwhelming. So maybe share a little bit about how you, how you manage yourself. Definitely. I think um, meditation and yoga is awesome because it, it kind of brings you to a state of presence. So instead of your mind racing or worrying or thinking, hey, I should be doing this, I should be doing that, it, it kind of gets you more present. And to realize that it really is a marathon. So it's, it's if, if you realize that, hey, you're going to be working on this for the next 10 years and uh, whatever happens now, as long as you're moving towards that gradual goal and pushing things forward, then it, it will lead to progress there. And then um, I think eating well, you know, and, and being appreciative, you know, I think that those are super important. Um, I think um, surrounding yourself and working with inspiring and passionate people is, is super important. So uh, making sure that um, you're spending time with people that you, you look up to or people that you um, can learn from, because I think that that's where a lot of the growth and um, personal development and improvement comes from. It's from uh, learning from people who um, maybe can offer advice or insight into different ways of living. And so what's your personal purpose statement? What's, what's Michael's? Um, I think it's, um, for me, I, I really enjoy um, um, giving opportunities to people and, and helping other people um, because I think so many people have, have um, supported me and, and helped me in, in my development. And I think if, if we can pass, um, pass it on, you know, and everyone realize that, you know, true happiness is from helping and supporting other people rather than monastery or uh, materialistic means, you know, then I, I think the society is going to end up in a much better place or power. You know, if you, if you look at many of the politicians or business people who are striving to get more power or make more money or grow, you know, their business and realize that, hey, you know, none, none of it really matters. your heart's in the right place michael what gets you up in the morning i'm sure there are days where you you do feel rough so um yeah what's what's what drives you um i think just moving this economy to a more cooperative one like i'm so passionate about it being the future and i think it's inevitable it's just a matter of how long it'll take so if if it's going to take um five to seven years without us you know or we can make it uh, happen in three to five years and the same way like the internet took time, you know, before 
thing the internet was fast enough to support things like YouTube or support video conferencing. Like we believe that tokens and and the blockchain are going to be an essential part of society, and it's up to us to um, provide success stories and use cases and uh, pro solve problems for the mainstream, and so that we can bring it to reality. So I think that's what gets me up in the morning. It's this um, belief that hey, you know, we can really um, reinvent and systemically uh, improve society by what we're doing and it's really up to us to make it happen i'm excited for you michael the force is with you <laughs> and there we have it one of a series of interviews with people i have come to know serendipitously through shared networks of like-minded people with values that resonate with me and a growing many number of you who want to birth a new earth to co-create to collaborate and to inspire curiosity in yourselves and those around you. These such conversations are about bold movements and in unified collective faith, growing new systems for the greater good is in fact doable and beable, as I like to say. So let's be the new economy. Until next time, my friends, seek your truth and then live it. It takes some courage and a whole lot of love.